0: This is a new angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey, folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. My guest today is John Twiggs, host of the award winning Montana PBS program, Backroads of Montana.
1: That's the part of the job you really enjoy and you look forward to getting out on the road, not thinking about politics, not talking about politics with anybody, just enjoying who they are and where they are.
0: This is John's 35th year in television journalism, and he's been with Montana PBS for over 25 years. Last year, John was inducted into the Silver Circle of the Northwest Chapter of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences.
1: John, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been too long. It's been a long wait. It has been a while. Uh, You know, we'll occasionally pass each other on the sidewalk, but yeah, it's it's been a while. Exactly. So, welcome and start with where did you grow up and what did your parents do? I grew up in mainly. I moved around a bit uh, early on, but mainly grew up in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, What part of Virginia? Just outside of Richmond. Okay. You'll easily see the connection here early on. That in the 1970s, my mother was a video producer. Mm. Worked at the local. PBS affiliate there, and uh, she was kind enough to let me tag along on uh, some of those projects. And then in a brilliant stroke of nepotism, she put me in some of the shows. <laughs> so I thought I was peaking there at 10 or 11 years yeah, old. Yeah. Um, and you probably remember me from such hits as uh, Metric Marmalade and Mathorama. That was you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah okay. I know. Yeah, I get that a lot yeah. on the street. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that definitely ignited a passion as far as visual storytelling, the creative things you could do you know, with video production, and uh, it really took off from there. My my dad, I'm sure, is disappointed that I didn't go into construction. He's a construction engineer, yeah. and uh, that was part of how we were moving around the country a little bit uh, when I was very young. And then he got tired of moving around a lot and, and settled there in Virginia where both my sets of grandparents lived, so it was a family thing, but worked out well.
0: Yeah. And how did you make your way to Montana?
1: The job was okay. the first thing. So uh, I actually went to college in New Mexico and uh, was studying in broadcast communications. Right. And I wanted to work in television sports, big sports fan, love sports, wanted to cover that. As it turns out it's tough to find a job when you look like you're 12 years old coming out of college. So I had a lot of nose as I was sending out uh, resumes and tapes back in the 1980s. And then finally there was a station in Billings, okay, KTVQ in Billings. And uh, I don't even think that I was their first choice either. But uh, as fate would have it, uh, enough things happened to where I could uh, find my way up up to Billings and got my first first taste of Montana. His first time to Montana was
0: for this job in Billings. It was. Wow. It
1: was. I loaded up the uh, 73 Olds Cutlass with a small U-Haul. And I drove from New Mexico, got to Montana, had a great time in in working in Billings for about four years there in the late 80s, and and then uh, eventually moved on to Indiana. And that was fun just to get to cover a lot of big time events there, you know, a lot of professional things there. So that was fun. But at some point, it started to kind of uh, wear on me a little bit. Yeah. Is that when you made the jump to public media? It is. It is. I had worked for, I guess it was probably eight, nine years commercially and just starting to get a little burned out. Uh, You know, everybody's familiar with the local newscast and the sports within that. You don't actually see that as much today anymore, but, you know, it's somewhat limiting. You only get four or five minutes and there's only so much you can do. Yeah. So after so many years, I was starting to bang my head against the wall on that and had talked to a friend of mine who I'd worked with in Billings. He was over here in Missoula at the university, and he told me about their graduate program. He also kept telling me about this show he had come up with and that that would be fun to work on. And he kept telling me that they were going to start this public broadcasting wing in Missoula. The station was in Bozeman. They were going to start it in Missoula. And I remember he told me that in the early 90s and didn't happen. And the (laughs) mid-90s still didn't happen. Uh, but I came back here, went to graduate school at the University of Montana, got my master's degree here, and as I graduated, they launched the wing of uh, public broadcasting for Montana PBS in Missoula. It's good and timing for it, you. It was. I definitely lucked out there, and then that kind of jumped me off into uh, into public broadcasting, which you know my mother thought was hilarious sure. that I <laughs> that it ended up uh, back where she was, and uh, yeah, it's been gosh uh, twenty six years now. And so talk about your portfolio of activities at Montana PBS. I've got a variety of hats to wear. Yeah. Um but I honestly that's what I enjoy most about the job. I just I love I love the variety. I love the different things that I get to do and that's probably the best part for me. Produce documentaries, so longer form things and that can be a wide variety. Some of it's been current events about uh, you know concussion research that was going on at the universities. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's historical documentaries. When I first got here I actually did educational shows for kids. And of course, uh, we're starting a new uh, news and public affairs initiative coming up, and I'm going to oversee that. We'll have five producers across Bozeman, Billings, and Missoula. It will be the launching points to go out and report on a variety of issues around the state. So we're excited about that. That's coming up this fall. And then, of course, Backroads of Montana. I mean, that's the cherry on top is probably the most fun to work on. And I've enjoyed that. I've done stories on that show now for 27, 28 years. And then, of course, now I have a new job. Right. Taking over as host as as, as William has retired. Talk
0: about that. You mentioned you've been working on Backroads for many years, but now to sort of step into the host, host role for many viewers and listeners, probably you're maybe seen as the new guy, the new face, but it's sort of an old gig for you.
1: It is. It is. Uh, yeah, internally, it doesn't seem like a huge change to right, me because right. the routine is is somewhat the same. But yes, I can understand for people watching. And that's, uh, first of all, big shoes to fill. I sure. mean, William, William, legendary in that role. And people i think have uh an affinity for william his voice it feels comfortable to have him tell you a story you know we've always said that when he's narrating the pieces and so yeah i told william i said yeah i'll be a little nervous on that first one because <laughs> you never know how the that reaction will be but i think the heart and soul of the series uh of course would be the stories and and the people and the places that we yeah. feature all around the state, and as long as we maintain that and the quality of that, that I, I think we'll be fine. And hopefully, they'll tolerate the new guy. Sure. Well, tell us about those stories.
0: Like, what what makes for a great backroad story? How do you and your team kind of make choices about the stories to go after?
1: For us, I think the big word would probably be uh, genuine. I think you're always looking for somebody in some place that would resonate as genuine. Yeah, and and that's tough to achieve. I think when you're talking about television and video with the equipment and the camera and all of that, it's it's tough to capture the genuine nature of some of the places and the people, but that's one thing I think that we're always striving for.
0: Yeah, and and it occurs to me that, you know, the the this notion of Montana values kind of comes up very often, comes up during elections uh, yes. prominently, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to pin people down on, on what exactly those Montana values are, especially a politician. But from your vantage point, actually covering these folks that you're sort of selecting based on their authenticity, what do you think that means as far as you've covered it in Montana for so many years? What are sort of the values of Montana that, that makes these stories genuine and interesting
1: and something
0: that people can connect with?
1: Well, and from a process standpoint, one of the things that I'm always amazed by is when we go into a place and meet someone and they don't know us from Adam, you know, coming in, they're so welcoming and genuine to us to bring us in and yeah. open their story up and their lives and their personal history to us. And in a day and age when people are so jaded towards the media, yeah, right, and so skeptical about the media, I am just always blown away at people who and and to be honest, you know, you can tell like sometimes they would never agree with you politically, they would never agree, have the same worldview as you, but you know, they will throw the door open and welcome you in and open up the family photo album and share their story with you. I'm always amazed by that. I think just the the openness and and the willingness, I think, to give you the benefit fit of the doubt sure. you know as you come in because like I said sometimes you you might have some relationship over the phone or you maybe you've met once or twice but sometimes when we go to the other side of the state we, we haven't met at all and, and it's the first time showing up and yet people are so welcoming to us. I'm always impressed by that.
0: Yeah, and it's such an interesting contrast you mentioned that with people's general disposition toward media, yet you're not experiencing that on the road you're you're in, these in-person interactions are just pleasant and people are, are excited to tell their their stories and maybe excited that that somebody's paying attention
1: i think so i think cuz one of the things i think that's always been a, kind of a counter in terms of backroads and the current state of things and the media and all of that is When it comes to video production and watching things on television, that medium lends itself to a big personality. Mm -hmm. And you see that all the time. And so there's a desire for that. And so to get ratings and clicks and bigger numbers, you need bigger personalities. And we're fortunate in terms of being in public broadcasting. I mean, we want people to watch the show, but it's not as dependent on ratings and clicks and that kind of thing. And we're afforded the luxury of, of personalities that aren't over the top and that aren't big and Montanans recognize that as genuine you know they recognize that as that neighbor down the street that quietly goes about doing something nice for the community all the time mm-hmm. not flamboyant not big over the top but you know they're like that person deserves some attention and so when we can come and shine that light on them and honestly sometimes they're just genuinely embarrassed by it when right. we're there and I kind of feel bad <laughs> like well we're going to have to bring the camera out but when we do that, it it really resonates. And I think that's why the show has resonated because people feel like Yes, this is an accurate portrayal. You didn't go out and find the wildest, craziest thing that you could find. You found real people that we recognize and and identify with. You know, the the, the rancher who might not be a big talker but does a lot, or the person in the town over that uh, has volunteered all these years but doesn't make a big fuss about it. And and now we can make a big fuss about it. Sure.
0: So tell us, you know, in the in the episodes and seasons to come, like what what are kind of the the stories that that you're looking to cover, what can listeners and viewers expect?
1: Uh, we've got a variety of ones that we're working on right now. I, I think an interesting one, there was a, a, a rancher out in a rural setting just outside of Big Sandy, mm-hmm. uh, kind of up towards the high line there, south of Haver. Found himself in a situation where he had a, a, a pretty serious accident out oh. in the field the EMT crew came in and really i think basically saved his arm i mean it was wow. it was it was very serious and the notion of rural EMT work and the volunteers who take part in that and he was so moved by what they did and how they helped him, that he took part of his crop and he held a hay auction to raise money for the EMTs. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so I love those kinds of stories. There's another project, uh, the Hope Foundation, which Mm -hmm. is uh, Montana Law Enforcement. Kind of a, a make-a-wish of Montana, if you will, that they work with uh, seriously ill children to try and uh, work with them and their families to, to grant a wish. So we're going to be following along with that. We have one of the retired law enforcement officers in Billings, and uh, we're going to go over to an eastern Montana town with him uh, as they grant a wish there. So we're very excited about that. There's another uh, project called Arm to Farm where they're working with veterans and uh, agriculture So we're going to have another one featuring that. Another big one that's coming up this summer is down in southeastern Montana near the Carter County Museum in Ekalaka, where they have a big dino dig down there uh, because that is just fertile country when it comes to uh, archaeology down there. And they're going to have a big project there. So we're excited to be down there. So a a lot of miles to cover. We'll
0: be back to my conversation with John Twiggs after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hey, this is Mark Moss from Tell Us Something, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with John Twiggs of Montana PBS. John, in our remaining time, let's talk a little bit about the news division side of your... Work. You cover the news. You cover politics. In particular, we've collaborated on some political coverage. How how is it to wear that hat?
1: Well, if we're going to draw a contrast, then these would be the two because my happy time is backroads. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the part of the job you really enjoy, and you look forward to getting out on the road, not thinking about politics, not talking about politics with anybody. Yep. Uh, just enjoying who they are and where they are. This, on the other hand, it, it is a necessary public service. I, I, I will start with that. I think we have looked at the landscape, and a lot of people have looked at the media landscape about what what is needed, what can we provide as a public service. And unfortunately, on the commercial side, there's been a lot of cutting. And there's been a lot of reduction in staff. Consolidation, yeah, yeah. And uh, we've been lamenting that. I think everyone has. And so I think there's been a sense that there's a a void there and a need. For more in-depth reporting, mm-hmm. uh, an ability to spend more time on things, and that is a luxury that we have. That's again, that's a luxury that goes uh, across all these different genres because uh, we we talk about that in backroads. Uh, you know, when I was in the daily news grind, you'd be lucky to spend a couple of hours or an afternoon with somebody, and now I can spend several days. On a backroads trip, and we're going to try and apply that same uh, approach to the news and public affairs. Yeah. So when we, when we go out and we delve into some of these issues that are important to Montanans, whether we're talking about uh, you know, inflation and dealing with the rising costs of everything, whether it's an agricultural issue, it could be mental health. There's all sorts of things that we need to be talking about to be able to spend time with people and take a, a bit of a deeper dive into that. That's, that's our goal yeah,
0: maybe give us an example of like from the past of where you've seen opportunity. Hey, this is a story that's not being told that that is uniquely suited to you know, PBS's ability to tell it.
1: Well, let's talk about uh, maybe agriculture and the sure. drought and how that's impacting farmers and ranchers. And then, of course, that eventually makes its way to consumers. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the kind of thing that you need to follow over a period of time. You know, you need to go through a growing season. You need to go through when you're going to try and sell that crop. You're going And those are things you can't really follow through and actually see the impact of yeah. in a quick news story. It's the same thing if we were talking about health care, being able to follow people who might have to go through the doctor's visit and then they're going to get the bills that come? And then how are you going to adjust to that? And then how do you deal with not understanding what the charges are on this crazy bill? You know, that all takes time and you need a month or two months or three months to be able to follow along. And it's things like that where hopefully if we have the time, um, we can illustrate it maybe a little more strongly.
0: So one thing I'm curious about, John, is, is, you know, you do cover current affairs and politics, and then you have this role at Backroads. Does one role affect the other? I mean, you have to maintain a kind of trusted voice as, I don't necessarily want to say neutral, but like you, you kind of have to stay above the fray, I would imagine in some respects. Talk about that sensibility. You know, what role do you kind of play in the storytelling and, and how do you kind of manage that?
1: Right. Uh, oddly enough, they, they do kind of go hand in hand because Backroads... For the most part, needs to be apolitical. I mean, it just you know nobody wants to hear that in backroads, yeah. and and that's not what the appetite is for. So in that sense, you know, it it kind of keeps me on a straight and narrow path of well, let's not veer off into this worldview or that worldview. You know, that's not what the story is about. And and for the most part, people are respectful of that, and they know that, and they know that that's not what that series is for. I feel like when we shift over to political coverage, because we travel so much, because we meet so many people, I feel like I have a better finger on the pulse of what the state is. Okay. You know, I don't feel like it's quite so superficial as far as you know. Well, you're only in this town or that town, or you're only in Bozeman or Missoula, because that's not reflective of what the whole state is. Mm-hmm. You know, when we get out into the smaller towns and other communities, I think you 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 feel that you get a sense of, of where they're at and what they're thinking. Now, that might not be something that you share necessarily in a back road story, but it gives you a sense of where people are at. and And because we have the luxury of staying a few days and spending some time there— you know, people will open up and they'll tell you about that. And, and they. I think there's a sense that you're going to respect their privacy. It's not like I'm going to go out and, and uh, blab about what they were talking about politically sure. when it was, where the story was about something else. But for me... Internally, it kind of gives me a gauge of, of where, where people are leaning, where the opinions are, what's upsetting them. So it's kind of your own little impersonal, uh, or I should say personal, uh, informal uh, focus group.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it occurs to me, uh, just looking at your, your long tenure in public media here in, in Montana, what has changed and what's stayed the
1: same? I'd say what has stayed the same has been, you know, Montanans are just, they're very practical. You know, Montanans were notorious ticket splitters for the longest time and it was very it was done on a very practical basis, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, if the governor was doing a good job, you put the governor back in. If this other person down the ballot wasn't doing a good job, you kick them out right. and you put somebody else in because you want this to get done. You don't see that as much anymore. It is is a lot of more straight-line voting yes. that's going on that way. And I got to be honest, I mean, I never thought I would see the day where Montanans, regardless of ideology, regardless of anything, Montanans would be okay with uh, outside wealthy people coming into the state. And, it's happening more and more. Yeah. yeah and there, that always was a backlash. Previously, go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, I can think of several candidates who came in and tried to do that and were smacked down by the voters. And now you see that happening with more frequency, and I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that translates to. I don't know if that's uh, obviously it depends on your point of view as whether you think that's good or bad. But um, I, I'm, I have been surprised by that. You know, as I sized up some races in the last six eight years, I thought, well, I don't know if that person can really pull this off, and and they they did. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that comes back to the party loyalty thing. Or, or that part of it. But that's that's definitely changed in the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned before the consolidation and, you know, cuts on the commercial media side. And so a lot of our political coverage has sort of been at the national level, right? And national political ideology or affiliation has kind of driven people's attitudes towards everything. And so, yeah, you could see that maybe being part of the the reason some of these things are starting to look similar in Montana. At the same time, it seems like a great opening to sort of, rest, not restore, but reaffirm the need for you know folks like you and the coverage that you all do with Montana PBS. Public media should play an important, a more important role than ever. And then you also look at, and it'd be interesting to hear your thought on this, John, is there's been a rise of some not-for-profit media outlets in the state, Montana Free Press, the Daily Montanan. Other organizations like that are starting to gain a foothold in a in a world where some of the commercial forces are are kind of not liking the the profit and loss model that they 're looking at. What do you think of that the The role of nonprofit media outlets
1: the, well, the two examples you gave i think that 's been a positive addition you know to uh, just the information that is out there for people i mean if people want to get. Feel educated when they go in to vote. I think that they have done a great job with mm-hmm. that, and and it's I've been encouraged to hear when they've hired on more people, when they've bolstered their staffs. I think that's that's very encouraging because that's that's what we're in need of. I mean, we're in need of some very basic information for people, and that's getting harder and harder to find uh, for a lot of the reasons you know that you were you were talking about. Just to veer off, I mean, another job that I have that is given me the view of the underbelly of this process is I have to uh, negotiate debates, oh political gosh, debates. the rules for the debates. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Who sits where and who gets water and who doesn't, oh, and, you man. know, that that kind of nonsense. But, it's interesting in negotiating those debates because you can tell right away if the campaign manager is familiar with Montana, they kind of understand how this would work and what Montanans need. If they're from the outside and uh, like a big heavy hitter national whatever, sure. they play to that national narrative, you know, they 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 want that and I'm just thinking you're you're a fool for thinking that Montanans are interested in this or buying into that narrative, but uh, it's an interesting insight into the national versus local or just you know, talk to any local reporter who has to deal with somebody who might come in from even the Washington Post or the New York Times and they just paint these cartoonish pictures of Montana and they're so disheartened and I always think it's a shame that they don't talk to some of the – Local reporters who could at least get them up to speed and give them a little more insight. I mean, I'm a little empathetic that they have a short amount of time and they come in and they have to try and uh, paint this picture. But at the same time, they're not using all the resources available. And, and then they have this giant platform that that perpetuates an inaccurate picture of Montana. Sure. That's... That's a little bit discouraging. I think we need more voices and more people disseminating this information. And so the nonprofits are great. Public broadcasting hopefully can play a role. And and the commercial stations, I think, on on a daily basis can do their part as well. Sure. You got to tell me, what
0: is the most ridiculous negotiating point in in a debate that you experienced?
1: Can you share that? I can. I'll try not to use any names. Of course but, not. Uh, yeah, we had I don't know forty five minutes or an hour of my life that I will never get back, <laughs> uh, going back and forth about whether they should uh, sit or stand. Oh. We had a table, and we wanted everybody to sit around the table just to get away from the visual of you know two lecterns and facing each other yep. and confrontational and all of that. And we just went round and round and round about it. And they wouldn't really get to the point, you know, they're like, well, we don't really prefer this and we really, uh," you know. And so finally, after, again, a waste of 45 minutes or an hour, somebody came clean and went, "Uh, I just think that, well, if the candidate is sitting, it makes the candidate look fatter. And that was basically it. That was the upshot of this entire argument was they thought their candidate was going to look chubbier Mm -hmm. sitting down than standing up. And so didn't appreciate that. And, and and get back to the original thing of like, well, you could have just said that in the beginning. Yeah, say like, that from the
0: start, we'll kind of deal with it, right?
1: <laughs> there there have been some days where I, I'm like, man, I need to go do a back road story to, exactly. to, to, to cleanse the palate. Yes, to cleanse the palate. <laughs> so
0: uh, last question, John, you know, the Mon- Montana Broadcast Media Center is situated within the University of Montana system. You got the chance to work with students, a lot of our stu- – I mean, you're one of our students, and – Students work on a lot of the programs that, that you're involved with. I talk about that, our opportunity to work with students, and for students who might be interested in kind of pursuing careers, successful careers in broadcast journalism. How would you, what, what sorts of advice would you give?
1: Well, I'd start with, yeah, one of the more rewarding parts of my job is, yeah, for the last 27 years, I've taught at the University of Montana School of Journalism. Yeah. And uh, the experiences I've had with the students have been fantastic. I hope they're mutually beneficial. I've learned a lot (laughs) along the way, and I hope they got something out of it as well. And it's been great for us at Montana PBS, because we've been able to, and Montana Public Radio, we've been able to incorporate students into the professional production. So they get uh, real-world experience, they get an audience for their work. So it's it's been fantastic that way. You know, for students interested in it, they need to bring a, a curiosity and a passion. I mean, those are the two biggest things. Of all the people I've ever interviewed, Some hugely famous, some not so famous. The one big factor with all of them was just an innate curiosity about things. I think if you can bring that and a passion, the rest of it will take care of itself. You know, don't be intimidated by the technology. Don't worry about buttons and switches and knobs and all of that, which a lot of students get hung up on. To me, it's just such an exciting place to be you know there 's so much you can do visually and creatively and with all the technology that we have now um, it, you know to to combine all that together the the possibilities are endless for what you can do and the impact that you can make because you can genuinely move people with pictures and sound and and uh, and I think that 's always been exciting for me it 's still exciting for me it 's still what drives me every day to go out and do stories and tell stories and and uh, be a part of this process. That's another big part of my experience here has been interacting with the students, being on a university campus. I've learned so much about that because they will always push back at me, like, well, why do you do it that way? And it's actually forced me to stop myself and go, why do yeah. I do that yeah, way? Yeah, you gotta stay current. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you gotta stay up on things and you gotta understand why you're doing it, not just because you always did it that way. Sure. And they they pushed me in that regard and, and hopefully they got something out of it as well. Absolutely, I'm sure they did. John, thanks
0: so much for sharing your time with us. Congratulations on the new role at Backroads. And um, we look forward to the stories you'll tell in the future with you and your colleagues. Thanks for being here today.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It was great talking with you. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really
0: appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hanson. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business with additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. Social media by AJ Williams. And Jeff Neese is our master of all things sound.
1: Thanks a lot, and see you next time.